Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, welcome back to Mandy and the F-Bomb. So this week, it's a special treat for me because one of my favorite people in the whole world is on this episode. His name is Mike Vasquez, and he is my cousin, my, my very dear cousin that I love a lot. And he lives in Hondo, which is, um, I don't know, I want to say like three hours from Waco or something like that, would you say? Yeah. Okay. And so I don't get to see him a ton. But he's busy over there raising his family, and he also pastors a church. So super-duper proud of this guy and brought him on because he also was a foster dad for just a little bit. So I think he's got a really unique perspective because they only did it for a little bit, and it was kind of an interesting situation. I'll let him kind of get into that as much as he'd like to. Um, but I know from talking to him and his his wife, who's also one of my dear friends, that foster care is definitely in their future. and because it's not in their present right now in the in the capacity or in the way of like fostering right now, they find other ways to serve. So anyway, Mikey, Mike, oh, I forgot. <laughs> I'm gonna call you Mikey. I just can't help it. So again, my my I always say like my baby cousin, who he's not a baby, but he's always my baby cousin. I have a problem not calling him Mikey. <laughs> so thanks for thanks for being on and making some time. Yeah, I'm so pumped. I'm so grateful to get to hang out with you today. <laughs> me too. Me too. I was telling him, like, we're just going to have a conversation, which is easy for us because we like hanging out. Kind of what we do. <laughs> yeah, it is. So why don't you tell a little bit about your family? I didn't say anything about your family, so share what you want, and then I want to know. Maybe we'll get into foster care and stuff. Yeah, so um, Bethany and I have been married for about eight years now, and I... I just always knew that I wanted kids from the time what I was 15 years old. Yeah, <laughs> younger, younger. That's all you wanted to say. You, that's what you would say. What do you want to be when you grow up, Mikey? And it was, I want to be a dad. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good dad. That's and, right. Um, so we have three kids of our own right now. Ellie is seven, Levi is six, and Elijah is three. And so we are moving and grooving right now. Yeah. Um, it's a great, great time. Um, we love kids, and so I'm, I'm the pastor at First Baptist Condo, and uh, I was the youth minister for a good long time, and so for about five years, I was ministering to teenagers, about sixth grade, seventh grade to twelfth grade, um, transitioned five years later to, uh, to be the senior pastor. Um, right now, I get to do a little bit more hands-on with 
kiddos, nursery on up to about that fifth, sixth grade age. And so all the things, Bethany, Mikey. Yeah, we're, we're staying busy. Um, Bethany, her background is in children's ministry. She loves kids. Uh, it's still kind of new for me, but I've been thrown in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. So I know that you and Beth, since y'all got married, y'all have wanted to serve in whatever kind of, whatever kind of capacity. Um, what was the thing that kind of drew you both towards foster care? Cause I knew, I knew like from a young age, you wanted to be a dad, but I don't think we'd ever talked about foster care. So, um, Bethany, we, we met at a church. She was the children's intern. I was the youth intern. I knew like at least two weeks in that I was going to marry this girl. Yeah, I know. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> it took her much longer. Um, <laughs> but, but two weeks in, I'm like, wow, I'm going to marry this girl. And so finally when she came around to like, okay, I'm all right with that. We <laughs> talked about, we talked about everything. Um, yeah. What do you think about this? What do you think about parenting specifically? What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on um, what, what would that look like in our home? Uh, and then there was this kind of a pause moment where I, I want to be honest because I could marry this person, um, but also I don't want to scare her away. I said, honestly, I, I, I want to ask you this question because this has always been on my heart, even from childhood, that one day I'd like to look at adoption. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of waiting for her response. I hope she doesn't run. She's like, me too. Absolutely. No question. Yes, this is. This is on my heart also. Oh, she's so, such a gem. She's I'm, such a I'm winner. Telling I'm telling you. And so that kind of just solidifies things even more. Um, and so as it goes, as it pertains to foster care, I knew less about foster care, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what adoption even looked like. Whatever that looks like, hey, let's, let's, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, actually I learned a lot from my big cousin, Mandy. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> Asking questions and paying attention and yeah. realized, oh, yes, this is this is possible. Yeah, well, impossible. And I'm, I'm sure just because of my story, we went into it not necessarily looking at adoption. It was completely different. But kind of right. I'm wondering, like, because I know that you were, I guess, the, the initially going into it was like one day I would like to adopt. And obviously foster care can lead to adoption. But I know from from you know, my experience and then an experience that you had that it was pretty quick that you were like, eh, foster care does not necessarily equal adoption. Correct. So that, I don't know. know, How was that? I don't know if you remember this conversation, Mandy, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Mm. I was talking to you on the phone. Beth and I were uh, at Walmart uh, checking out and I was talking to you about what was going on with your family. Yeah. And I was thinking, wow, Mandy, that's just so amazing. That's so great. The idea of foster care sounds uh, just so tough, though. And I just honestly, I don't know if I could do it. I, I, I know that I would get attached and I would love them so much. And then, you know, they might not get to stay. I don't think I could handle that. And you were so sweet and so gentle and patient with me <laughs> and probably said something like, Mikey, <laughs> that's so great that your heart would jump there already to love somebody that you've not even met before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Your heartbreak while possible is one thing, but the alternative is that this child that you haven't met, but you're ready to give your heart to you won't get to experience that love that you have to offer. And I'm just floored 
right there at Walmart, ready to ball my eyes out. I'm like, I've, wow, how could I have missed this so big time? Uh, and, and from that moment on, I think the Lord was just doing a change in my heart. Um, this is not about you. <laughs> and so maybe we will adopt it a little like that. But also maybe foster care is just uh, a ministry that we'll have in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and adoption might not ever be something that, that happens. And that would be okay. Um, and so our story is, as we're pastoring, this is after that conversation. Because I don't know how things would have turned out if we had that conversation first. <laughs> Um, we had a lady in our church who had been coming for a good while. I knew a little bit about her past, uh, but but not much. She, I, I knew she had struggled with different obstacles in her life, mm-hmm. um, and she was pregnant at the time. Didn't think too much of it, um, but we loved her well, and we all wanted to serve her as best as we could and any kind of preparation. Um, and we were there actually the day that uh, her daughter was born. We got to visit her in the hospital, and it was so great. Things were going on that I wasn't aware of. I know Beth was ministering a little bit closer to with her than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounded like, as Bethany was sharing with me, that CPS might have to get involved um, pretty quickly. Mm. And so um, what happened was mom says, hey, Pastor Mike, Beth, um, I love you guys, and I trust you before CPS uh, kind of steps in, would it be possible for you to take my Lily? That, I, I mean, it, it was, that's a, that's a huge ask. It's a big whoa moment. But Bethany and I am pretty much in the same breath. Like, yes, of course. What else can we, yes, the answer is yes. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what we're going to have mm-hmm. to do. Um, but we're, we're game. And yeah. uh, did yeah. you have any kids at home at the time? Yes. We <laughs> had um, Ellie at the time for sure. And I think we were about to find out that we were pregnant with Levi also. So one and one that we didn't know about just yet. Yep. Yeah. And I, from what I remember, like you, you guys had jumped into it and um, knowing that this was an eventuality for your family as it stood. So not a huge surprise, but the timing I think was a little bit, um, sooner than what you both had anticipated just because of the nature of the situation. Um, but what I remember um, is, yes, it was it was a good situation, and I'm, I think it was the right thing for your family and such a good help for the baby and her mom. But I also remember, like, it was difficult. Like, the situation was difficult. And I think that's important to note that, like, because I really, again, with, like, the F-bomb thing, like it's those things that are difficult and that kind of wreck your life that can, I guess, really kind of make you shiny and make you into the best version of yourself. So I remember that being a difficult situation and thinking that it was so, because I remember like, from what I remember, Ellie was so little. She was so little. And so, and she was y'all's first baby. And then y'all had stuff going on at the church and um, you were living you know, where you're living is a good, like, 40 minutes or something from family. Um, and, you know, best family is in another state. And so I was thinking, like, I knew that we had kind of, whenever we were doing foster foster care, we had family and a community and a wide net of support. And that's not to say that you didn't at church, but, you know, I can't help it but be like, because y'all are, y'all are my people, like, oh, man, like, I wish we were closer. I wish there was a family closer 
And I remember thinking that it was so brave of you guys to step into a situation that was complicated and difficult whenever you could have said no. Because it, it wasn't just foster care. You didn't get licensed and you didn't um, go through all the processes and do all the training and all of that stuff. It was, here is someone that needs help. And it turned into, y'all ended up fostering this baby um, mm-hmm. way ahead of schedule, y'all's family schedule. And without any sort of training preparation or anything like that, you just kind of jumped. Yeah, I think uh, the Lord just definitely knew what was what we were going to need before we knew what we needed. And so we didn't have formalized training, but uh, I remember being called into ministry thinking, okay, fine, it was a, it was a struggle to get there. I was going to be a teacher. My parents are teachers. My brother, we're all teachers. <laughs> I know how to do that. I can do that. Uh, and I remember, and, and I remember coming to this place of surrender, like, okay, fine ministry. And then I couldn't find a job. Uh, I, I looked at, there were two churches that were looking at mm-hmm. me. They both fell through, but the school worked out. Um, okay, what, what do I do with this? And my time at the school, honestly, I think prepared me for life. Uh-huh. Um, there, there were so many things thrown at me. Um, Bethany and I were both working with, uh, special needs children, uh, and just the Lord was growing patience in there with, uh, and love there for kids that weren't necessarily mine, but they were his. Um, you're, you're right. We didn't know what we were jumping into. No. But you did. And, and, you, you jumped. <laughs> yeah. um, which doesn't, honestly, mama. which doesn't surprise me about you very much because I know you. But it does surprise me about Beth because I know how cautious she is and careful about her her choices and so I know that must have been a lot of like really quick thinking and kind of weighing things um to be comfortable in that situation and that's one of the things we've talked about before is like on the podcast is like spouses being on the same page yes and so you definitely know that side of me um my best was the one who had the research done who had looked into this and like yes she was she was all in um and and of course it's a, it's a team effort yeah um from dealing with mama and praying for mama again reunification is the the goal here and we were praying so hard that uh this this child will be able to go back home yeah. with her mom yeah and so praying with her and encouraging her to do the, the things necessary um that was interesting um as you're growing this love for this child and you're also like, you know, loving her so well, but also going, you know, you're going to go, you're going to leave our home. Yeah. And that, that thought was there for sure. That exact thought. And so actually we, we went on family vacation shortly after uh, with her. And I remember rocking her uh, to sleep. I, I, I had the night, night schedule. Um, I love babies. And I love, Hey, I just, that's, during the day I'm not here I'm working a lot you, you know you and you have things at home uh, but at nighttime hey I, I will get up no problem uh, and I remember rocking her and singing to her and thinking I, I just remember thinking having that exact thought as I was rocking her I don't want to hold back my love yeah for I don't want to like well I don't want to care too much because you're going to leave at some point but I wanted to just be able to share um all the love I could with her while that while she was there, so that 
I don't know if she's ever going to look back and think of, you know, hey, when I was an infant. No. Something. Yeah. But I want her to to feel loved, to be loved, and to feel loved her entire life. Yeah. And if I got to be part of that moment, awesome. Great. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's, that's exactly it. Because you don't get to always see the rewards, right? You don't get to see the foundations that you're laying by by loving a child, um, love leaves a mark and yeah. you may not see it. So, and that's one of the things that, um, thankfully in, in our, our kids, we've, we've adopted three and we're about to adopt our fourth. And, um, that's a, that's something that I can say to them and say to them truthfully, that will be a part of the story that we weave into their consciousness is there has never been a single second in your life that you were not loved and wanted. And that's important. And that's something that that little girl is always going to going to have for her. I know that there's never been a single second in her life that she wasn't loved. And I think that that is really cool and that you got to play a role in that. Um, And it was risky. Like, and that's just it. Like, like you in the grocery store, whenever we had that conversation, like it's a risk to, and you know this, and you know this in your line of work, like relationships are risky because People are people. Yeah. So, but I think there's a lot of reward in relationships, whether it's with the children in your home or I know you fostered a relationship with her mom as well. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah. So um, you had said at the beginning of this the goal was reunification. Did that work out? Uh, in this case, it didn't. Yeah. Uh, I know that mom's still present in her life, uh, but I believe there was an aunt and uncle who ended up being her long-term home and I think they adopted her. Sometimes reunification with biological family um, is the goal and that's a worthy goal as well. If family is available and willing and safe and appropriate, that is also a goal to celebrate. I think it's, um, tell me how you feel about like adoption. I know we've talked about this before, um, foster care and adoption and the way I've said it is, um, it is beautiful and it's wonderful, but adoption was never plan A. It's it's there because there was a problem. Yeah. So adoption is plan plan B. Um, tell me mm-hmm. tell me how you how you feel about that. I'm not sure if we've had that conversation. Maybe we have. Yeah. Um, it's it's complicated, and and, and it's, it's it will one day be so much easier for me because <laughs> I know that you have walked through it and I've gotten to hear you talk about it. Um, but, but even with other family members, even, even with other people who I know have fostered, have struggled with that concept, like, no, I want for the, 
the bio family to fail. Yeah. And they might not use those exact words, but that's the thought. Like I am so much better and I deserve this child. And I'm like, Oh man, oh. I, I, so, I hear what you're saying and you are wonderful and you are great. Um, but part of loving this child, I think is also loving their family and recognizing like that's part of their life too. Yeah. And I think people say that Mikey and they don't think like, that that's what they're saying, that I'm better and I, I deserve this kid because whatever, like I better circumstances or I'm whatever it is. Um, people don't hear themselves say that um, because yeah. I don't think they're coming, I, for the most part, I don't think people are coming at it from a, a malicious angle. It is, I have such big love for this child and I want them to have, you know, every opportunity that, life can afford and I want to be able, I feel more secure that I would be able to give them the things that I would want them to have. Yeah. I think it's love. Um, but like you said, I think there is so much love to be, um, to be shown in honoring their family of origin. I think it also just changes your perspective on the rest of life. It, we, we can be so quick to judge. Oh, look at this person in their, their life that they're living right now compared to the way that I'm living my life. Yes. It's so easy. Just a few decisions and I could be in the same exact spot. Yes. Yes. And so before I go judging, like, I don't, I don't know them. I don't know their story. And maybe even after I find out their story, I'm like, wow. Okay. I, I see that. And maybe everything else is still true. And, And maybe the best place for this child might not be with them, but, but caring enough to at least listen, caring enough to at least uh, do the homework to find out their story. Yeah. Uh, I think changes your perspective on it. It allows you to have more compassion and love just in yeah. general. Who, how many other people am I walking by every single day yeah. who have similar stories that I have no, no clue about? That's, well, and that's right. And coming at it from, I think I said on a different podcast, but it's coming at it from a place of curiosity and compassion rather than condemnation. Yes. And and exactly, which is no surprise to me because me and you, babe, me and you (laughs) always. Um, But yes, because, and I think you you know this too, because we both love stories. And I think, so one of the things that you don't know about our families, listeners, um, but our, so Mikey is um, a a cousin on my dad's side of the family. And my dad's side of the family is, um, we're basically all musicians and in one capacity or another. And one of the things that I have always loved and adored about our family is that when we get together, inevitably what happens is we make music. We'll sit around in a big circle and there are times we've stayed up to like three or four in the morning and it's basically like a big jam session, like karaoke and like just, you know, musical instruments out. And for me, what that has always meant is family because we are all individuals that come from different areas, um, live in different cities, but we come together and we are able to make something beautiful. So what I was going to say is that it's amazing kind of what the storytelling aspect of it, of, of music, because you can say the words, but it's, it's the, the feeling behind it. And so you can look at somebody's story just from, from a kind of objective perspective and it looks like one thing, but if you just kind of lean in and for lack of a better, and I know it's a little bit cheesy, but listen to the music of their lives. 
what happened and what did they grow up with and what are the patterns that they had to learn and maybe are still trying to unlearn or maybe don't, aren't in a place where they can ever unlearn them. Just looking at at people as a story and being willing to hear their story and offer some compassion, even if you don't agree, I think is is where I hope that I come at people. Because yeah. what I think what you said is true. We're all about three bad decisions of being exactly where we don't want to be. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, for most people that are in a different position that I'm in, what's your story? Yeah. I love that. So um, foster care in the future for you guys. What are you thinking about that? Yeah. So I think that our family would like to foster for sure. Um, I want, but we've also talked about specifically getting uh, like emergency mm-hmm. licenses or certifications. Uh, as, again, as a pastor uh, in a small town, what what we've seen is maybe there's an investigation or something that has to go on, and the closest place that might be San Antonio, which is 45 minutes an hour away. Yeah. Um, how how great would it be to hey look you're going to go over to Pastor Mike's house um, just ho- hopefully just for the night um, yeah. so they don't have to leave their city at least it's semi-familiar yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, a known person to them um, as opposed to be sent, being sent somewhere else Yeah. so we have about that actually that's, um, I think that's great Mikey right now and I'm sure you know because you and Beth um, are kind of involved and I know Beth researches and right now we're just, there's a capacity crisis. That's just what it is, is we have children that need homes and not enough beds kind of throughout the state. So that's a, that's a great thing um, that I think you guys are kind of leaning into um, now or in the future. There's going to be that need because we've got lots of facilities that are kind of just not, for one reason or another, not able to stay open. And so the kids still need to go some places. So Typically what that's called, if they can't find a placement, is CWAP, Child Without Placement. And there are going to be, um, like I know in, in our area, there's going to be a new CWAP home opening in, I would say, within 18 months or so. And what it is, is, is exactly that. Um, Child Protective Services is having a really hard time finding placement and don't want to put kids in an RTC or a detention facility if they are not children that need to be in those situations. Um, And sometimes what that means is, you know, kids stay in CPS offices and sometimes that means they go to other places. So anyway, all that to say, like that's what's happening in our area. But if, if there was someone who wanted to foster, but wanted to do very short term and wanted to take in emergency placements um, that were in CWAP homes, I know that that is something that is so desperately needed. So desperately needed. So I think that's great. Yep. Um, so I was just talking with a, an organization out here in, uh, we're in Medina County, um, and they're just trying to get the word out. And I think as a, as a church, uh, the idea of adoption, it's, it's right there. That's, that's everything. And so just trying to give uh, some awareness to church members and to even other churches uh, in our surrounding area. Hey, we, this is something that we need to talk about. Yeah. Race of awareness. Because we all, right, right. Christians believe that all of us, if you're a Christian, that you've been adopted into the family of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
that, that he is the father to the fatherless. Man, this, this is most pertinent to the people who I'm talking to every day. And, and what I'm finding as I have these conversations about adoption, it's just not on their radar. Yeah. We, uh, we actually were on, on uh, staff at a camp. We had about 700 or so campers. Gosh. And uh, Beth, I don't know if I told you this, but Bethany led a breakout group uh, with about maybe 300 or so at a time. Or uh, It was not that many. It was, it was maybe uh, 75 at a time. And, and uh, she talked to them about uh, foster care. And it was oh my so gosh. How many people didn't know what it was about? I love and her the, so much. So out of her comfort zone. I right? know, I know exactly. And it was yes, the foster care is one thing, but like that's so brave. Like go Bethany, jeez. Oh, so out of her comfort zone, but but because this is so important, she had to share. And, and of course, because she's done the research, because there's something that she loves, she's really confident in it. Yeah, um, that's that. I just want to hug her. That's so great. <laughs> um and. There were so many kids like, oh, man, I just thought that was for people who were left at the fire station or like, no. And so that's got to do a lot of education there. Yeah. And I think that really goes a long way. Um, I, I shared a sermon not too long ago, and there was an older gentleman in our church who came up to me afterwards. And he was kind of giving me this silly old man look. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, I was adopted, right? I'm like. Wow, no, I, I I didn't know that. Wow, that it really meant a lot to me. And honestly, what what I did it was not not a, a whole lot of a lot, but uh, it is important that we have these conversations because um, people don't know. You know. Well, and the people that do know, because other people don't know, they can feel isolated and othered. Um, so that that's important too, and you know, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna go there because that's where we are. Um, I think so in, in the vein of the church and adoption, I think sometimes that's actually a problem because, um, whenever it comes to foster care, if your, um, measure of success is adoption, um, and you're not assured from the get go of that success, I think sometimes that is what makes a lot of churchgoers like, and I'm like, decide, I don't think this is for me. It's because it's not an assured thing. And so I think that sometimes the language of it can be difficult because whenever you say like, um, you know, everyone is adopted into the family of God, well, that is true, but foster care doesn't always equal adoption. So on the one hand, we'll have people that go, you know, I'm going to like take this easy route to adoption. And then they find out like, Ooh, this is definitely not what I thought. And they get burnt out. And then you have, um, other people that are like, I'm, I'm in this just to foster who kind of get a little bit a, a better, not a better, they're not better, but they have a, a more holistic understanding of kind of what's going on. And I think that's part of the, the problem is that, um, yes, like the church should be interested in adoption just because of the nature of it. But I think also um, it should just be interested in serving in whatever yeah. capacity. And I think that there, that's hard sometimes whenever you have to tell people that you're going to be sacrificing um, not just your resources and not just your time and not just your sleep and not just, but you're going to be sacrificing a part of yourself to love someone with zero, zero assurances that you're going to gain anything from it. Sure. Well, and in that conversation that we had at Walmart, you also, you also told me, you know, Hey, you, you have Ellie. That's so great. 
but we're not promised tomorrow with Ellie. And I'm like, what? You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. We're not promised another day with them either. Yeah, with our biological kids. Yeah. We're not and assured. so if, I, if I'm in this in order to get something out of it, that's a little bit less love than something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but rather, here is what the, the situation is. There's a child who is in need of a home. I have one of those. Yeah, that's the reality. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a, a loving home. I'm prepared to share my heart. I'm prepared to do what's necessary. That's something else. Yeah. Oh, and so, yes, and I know that I know that you get it, and we've had conversations about this and stuff. I just, I think there's um, some disconnect sometimes whenever um, people, and they don't have to be, you know, they don't have to be pastors, and they don't even have to be Christians, but when people don't understand that there's, there's a difference there, and maybe they're not under, not understanding, but not examining exactly what it is that is kind of coming out of their mouths or their perspective. And that's okay. Cause I don't think people are, they don't mean to say what they're saying. They haven't thought about it from right. a more kind of objective perspective. So before you go, I'm going to ask you that question. And the question is, what was your F-bomb moment? When did you know that because of foster care, you'd just never be the same again? So I'm going to let you think about that for a minute. You don't have to, I know I put you on the spot. I, I think it has to be that conversation that, that we had. Oh. E- even before it, it happened, this is, this is going, this has to happen. This obviously, this is going to happen. When, how, I don't know, but the answer is going to be yes. Mm. And, and so when the time did come, it, again, not that it was easy, but it, it was easier the, the decision had already been made. Our life is going this direction. And when that time comes, 20 years or so down the road, <laughs> whatever, or months later, um, yeah, the, the answer is going to be yes. Oh, thank you for saying that. Um, I actually don't even remember that conversation. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad that I had good words that day. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. You are so one of my favorite humans, and I am so glad I got to talk to you today. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, too. Hug Beth. Hug the kids. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.